Hey, how we doing? Yes. Yes, hello everybody around Orland Park, all of our campuses, New Lenox, Homer Glen. I uh, love you all, everybody online. If you are watching by yourself, Facebook Live, or you're with a group, welcome as we come to the very last week of Should Happens, this series. And maybe you're thinking, what in the world is this? Maybe you're just stepping in uh, this weekend. So what are the shoulds? What is all this about? Let me give you just a quick review before we head into today's final uh, installment of this. The shoulds are really just like the expectations that we place on ourselves, on others, and on God. Now, that's really what they are. Their expectations is what we're talking about when we talk about the shoulds. And when we started this series uh, about a month ago now, we talked about the very first should, and that is that we should on ourselves. And the way that looks is this, that if anybody asks you to do something, and you even think about saying no to them, almost immediately then there's a courtroom convened in your mind. And you begin to put yourself on trial as to all the reasons that you should do what they're asking you to do, right? So we should on ourselves a lot. And we went to the Bible that weekend and we talked about some ways that we can get out from underneath those weights and pressures of the shoulds in our own life. That was week number one. Uh, week two, we talked about how we should on other people. So essentially what this looks like is that we have job descriptions for pretty much everyone we know, right? The only problem is they don't know about these job descriptions, right? They, they don't know the expectations we have of them. And so pretty quickly, they fail to meet up to our expectations and they find themselves saying, you know, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. I had no idea. I mean, when they fail to meet those expectations, we should all over them, other people in our lives. Then just last week, we talked about this, how others should on us. And the idea is that we all, every one of us, has people in our lives uh, who are good people, generous people. They're, they're well-meaning, well-intentioned people, and they have all kinds of things they feel like we should do, right? All kinds of things we should do in, in our lives, and a lot of these things are good shoulds. They're good shoulds, but here's what we learned last week. You don't have enough time in your day. You don't have enough time in your week or your life to even do all of the good shoulds that someone has for you. So we jumped into the Bible last week and we learned that even Jesus sometimes said no to people. He said no to some good things so he could say yes to the best things in his life. And that leads us to this week in our last part of this series. And I want you to know this before I show you what it is. Our subject this weekend that we're gonna talk about, this is the reason that that person you work with makes jokes about God, what we're getting ready to talk about. That person you go to school with or that neighbor who says they don't believe in God, who says they're an atheist, this is a big part of the reason somebody would say something like that. That family member you have who is kind of out on church, they've let go of faith in God, this is a big part of why they have done that. It's simply this, because every single one of us, every person has seasons of life where God doesn't act like we think he should. And what happens is this, we should on God. We should on God when we don't think he acts like he should. And what I want you to realize is this notion of shooting on God, this is not a religious thing. 
I'm not talking about something that's religious. This isn't a church thing. It's like, oh, church people are always shooting on God. That, that is not a church thing. It's not a Christian thing. This is a human thing. Every single person on all of our campuses around Chicagoland, but also everyone else around Chicagoland, your friends and family in other parts of the country, every single person on this planet has in their mind this idea of how we think God should act. And then sometimes he doesn't. And so we should on him with our expectations. Just a few ways that this happens in our lives, that I've seen it happen. Uh, let's go back maybe to when you were young, somebody in your family, something happens to them. Let's, just, let's say your mom when you're younger. Your mom is the most amazing person that you've ever known. She's close to God. She's very religious. She's the one maybe that takes you to church. When you get up in the morning to go to school, you can remember seeing your mom reading her Bible or something like that as you go to school. I mean, she's just incredible. And then maybe midway through your elementary years or your junior high years, your mom starts to feel a little bit sick. And so she goes to the doctor thinking she just has a cold or something like that. And she finds out at the doctor that she doesn't have a cold, she has cancer. And so everybody in the family starts praying, right? For mom. And you get everybody at the church you're going to and everybody at church starts praying. And then everybody else you know around the country, it seems like everyone in the world is praying for mom to get well, to get better. So she has to get better, right? She has to get well. Everyone's praying for her. But then what happens? Sometimes she doesn't get well. And maybe within less than a year, she's gone. And you start thinking, you know what? She is the most religious God-honoring person I know. She loved Jesus more than anybody I know, and now she's gone. God, how? And it's easy to have shoulds for God when things like that happen in our family. Or maybe let's think about it like this. Maybe you're looking for a job, and uh, you have a decent job, but you want to get this job that you really want. Or maybe you just need a job to take care of finances in your family. And so you kind of have this secret agreement with God, right, that God, if you'll do your part, I'll do my part, right? And so you feel like you're doing your part right now in getting a job. You've put together a resume, and I mean, it's in color, and there's pictures in it, and, and you've been going to interviews. I mean, you, you've like been busting it, going to interviews and all that sort of thing, but you still don't have the job that you wish you had, and it's easy just to say, hey, God, listen, <laughs> I'm just trying to take care of my family. I'm doing my part, but you don't seem to be doing your part. You're not doing what I think you should or maybe this, maybe you're around a campus this weekend and you're single. Any single people? Woo, woo. Any, any single? Oh, yeah, yeah, look around. Okay, yeah, learn where you are. Yeah, right? <laughs> let, 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 let's say this. Let's, let's say you're single and uh, you've decided as you start dating uh, the last one years or three years or five years, you're going to be pure. You're going to remain pure while you date. You're going to keep your standards high while you're looking for someone to date. And so here's the agreement you have with God. It's just private agreement in your head. Here's what God should do. God, while I date, I'm gonna keep my standards incredibly high. But God, if I do that, if I keep my standards high, you owe me, right? That's just the kind of how the conversation goes. You owe me somebody to date and somebody to be engaged to and somebody to be married to who is good. And you feel like you're doing your end of things, but here's the deal. You don't feel like you have any prospects yet. And you say, what's going on with this? And here's what I want us to realize. That we all make these private packs and contracts with God in our head. 
And we believe that he should keep these things. Everybody's praying, you should heal my mom. I'm working hard, you should get me a job. That's the deal, right? God, I'm keeping my standards high. You owe me a fiance, right? Who is like super good and really holy and incredibly hot, right? It's usually how it goes. That's the conversation. And here, here's the thing. Listen, God, listen, God, if you're not going to act the way you should, I'm out. I'm out on this. And we, and we let go of church. We let go of faith in God. And here's what happens. When we don't understand God, we begin to should on him. When we don't understand what he's up to, it's just what we do as human beings. We do it in our lives. We do it in our families. Sometimes it's just other places around the nation. Something's happening in, in our nation, and we don't understand why God would allow it, so we put shoulds on God. Or something is happening in some part of the country, and we don't understand it, and so we say, God, how could you allow that to happen in that part of the country? And here's what I want to say to you. I want to say something that may save your future faith in God. This may actually save your future faith in God. If you're taking notes, here it is. God not acting like we think he should is nothing new. The key words there are like we think. Not acting like we think he should is nothing new. Listen, God has been doing his thing in his time, in his way for centuries. And his ways are not always our ways. Amen? They're just not. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't care. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He loves you deeply. But that does not mean that God will always act like we think he should. And that's hard sometimes for us to metabolize into our lives. So here's what I want us to do this weekend as we wrap this all up. I want us to study the life of a guy named Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph is this guy in the Old Testament of the Bible. If you have a Bible with you or a smartphone or a tablet today, Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 37, right at the beginning of the Bible. Joseph is a guy who, if anybody had an opportunity to should on God because of what was going on in his life, I think he definitely could have done that. He could have should on God, but instead he decides to trust God. And that allows him to begin to move from this should life over to a, a very, very good life. And so I want us to look at several different places in Joseph's life where he could have should on God. And I want us to apply those things also to our lives. I think there will be a lot of parallels for us today. So the first place is this, in the family shoulds, when it comes to his family. Let's take a look at what happens to him in Genesis chapter 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And so he made an ornate coat for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So here's what happens. Uh, Joseph's dad makes him this ornate coat. Sometimes we call it like the coat of many colors, right? Maybe you've heard about that, Joseph's coat. And all of his brothers get jealous about that in his family. And, and I've been studying this, trying to think through, you know, like, you know, getting a nice coat, that doesn't exactly apply to us. So what, he had a nice coat. So how do we bring this into modern terms? 
How do we make this apply to us today? What would be happening in a family and with siblings and with brothers? Not just a coat, but I've been seeing this for the last few weeks. Have you guys seen this yet? Right? The iPhone, the new, the new 11, right, that's come out. And I, I don't know if you're, uh, you know, into Apple products. I'm, I'm fairly obsessed with them. Um, and so here, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's going on. Let's kind of bring this into modern day terms. It's not just the coat. Let's just say that all of Joseph's brothers, and he has a lot of brothers. Um, let's just say all of Joseph's brothers have like the iPhone 5, right, or 6. It's like really tiny, you know, it looks like a bite-sized candy bar, and you can't really do anything with it, and it takes really fuzzy pictures and stuff like that. And some of you are saying, hey, I have that one, you know, so, so sorry if you do, if, if you do, but... That's okay. But, but here's what happens. Joseph's dad comes in, and, and he, all of his brothers are standing around with the five or the six, and he comes in and gives him a box, and he opens it up, and it's the 11. And uh, so it's the 11, it's, it's the pro. It's got all the cameras on it, and it does the telephoto and, and all, the, all that kind of stuff, and it's basically indestructible is what I'm understanding and stuff like that. And so he gets him the 11, and not, hey, listen, not only does he get him the iPhone 11, he also gets him uh, the new watch. He gets his son the new watch. And so now Joseph, you know, is, is cruising around. He's got the huge iPhone 11 in his pocket, you know, and he's, you know, checking the weather and talking to Siri and stuff like that. So that's kind of where he's living, okay? So, so that, that, that's what's happening. And what, the story goes on to say that Joseph's dad uh, told him to go out and talk to his brothers who were taking care of animals out in the fields. And so here comes Joseph walking out there, um, you know, carrying his iPhone, checking the weather on his watch, all kinds of things like that, wearing his fancy coat. And his brothers see him coming, and they say, hey, let's, let's get him. Let's, let's you know, beat him up. Let's kill him. And so they, they grab him, and they smash his iPhone, and they take his coat. And, and by the way, pause here a minute. You realize he doesn't really have an iPhone, right? I mean, don't, don't go tell your kids, hey, did you know that Joseph had an iPhone? That's in the, it's not in the Bible, okay? It's not in the, so let's just forget about the iPhone, actually. They just take his coat. They take his coat. And this is true. This is in the Bible. And, and they dip it in blood. And they're going to go tell their dad that, their son, that his son has been killed. And then they throw Joseph in the pit to let him die, down in this huge cistern, this huge pit, uh, to die. And, and this is his family. This is happening from his family. This is the way they're treating him. And, 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 and then one of the brothers speaks up. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 37. One of them speaks up and says, you know what? Here's literally what he says. He says, you know what? Let's, let's not kill him. After all, he is our brother. Right? So kind. So they pull him out of the pit and they say, let's do this. Let's just sell him. Let's make him a slave. Let's sell him to Egypt. That would be better. And so they sell him as a slave into Egypt. And I want to pause there for just a moment. And I want us all to realize, Joseph has been incredibly mistreated and abused by his family. And family is supposed to stick together, right? Everybody say right. Right? I mean, what do you do in your life when the people who are supposed to be your biggest fans become your biggest critics? It hurts, right? Well, let me ask you this. You ever feel like you've been thrown into a pit by your family? You ever feel like that's happened to you? They've acted in a completely out-of-bounds way. When that happens, it's really easy for you in your life to say, you know what, God, is this really how I'm going to be treated by my own family? And it's easy to have shoulds on God when our own family, our own flesh and blood doesn't act like we think they should. And Joseph had that going on big time. So do some of you. And he could have should on God, but you know what he did? He just decided to keep trusting, keep trusting God in his life. And that leads him to another area of shoulds that I think we can relate to, and that is the boss and employer shoulds. What happens is he gets sold into slavery in Egypt, and while he's in Egypt, he starts working. He gets a job working for this guy named Potiphar. 
And Potiphar is this powerful guy, part of the Pharaoh's officials and his Roman guard. And what happens is that Potiphar's wife begins to try and seduce Joseph. Okay, And she doesn't just do this once or twice. She tries to seduce Joseph multiple times. In fact, one time, they're in the house together, and Joseph, she tries to grab a hold of Joseph, the Bible says. In chapter 39, she tries to grab a hold of him, and Joseph is so freaked out that he literally runs out of his coat. He runs out of his coat and just leaves his coat in her hands. By the way, Joseph, do you see this? Joseph has issues with coats, okay? There's, there's not good things going on with, with coats in his life. She, so she grabs a coat and, and stays holding on to the coat, and she's mad at him and embarrassed by all of this. And here's what happens in chapter 39. So she kept the coat beside her until her master came home. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave that you brought to us came to me to make sport of me. You realize when she's talking about sports, she's not, not like our kinds of sports, right? It's not like NFL she's talking about or, hey, he tried to get me to play volleyball or something like that. It's different, okay? It's, it's more sexual. It's different, okay? He tried to make sport of me. But as soon as he did, I screamed for help and he left his coat beside me and ran out of the house. So, of course, when Potiphar hears this, her husband, Joseph's boss, he's furious. And he takes him and throws him in prison. And what I want us to realize is Joseph... Joseph's just trying to keep his integrity. Joseph's trying to honor his God. Joseph's trying to honor his boss and not get involved in this. He's trying to do the right thing at his work, and yet he's being penalized. You ever been there in your life? You ever been at work, and you're just trying to be honest, and you're just trying to be good, and you're just trying to give that good, truthful day's work, and and, and you seem to be the one getting penalized, or maybe you have done what is right. You have been truthful at work, and now it seems like you could actually lose your job because of the way you've acted at your job in this truthful way. When that happens, it's so easy for you and for me to say, God, I'm just trying to live for you. I'm trying to live out my faith at work, and it's almost to cost me my job. And it's really easy to should on God when we find ourselves in in those sorts of seasons. Continues on in Joseph's life. He just continues to trust God through all of that, and so it leads him to another season that I think we can relate to again, and that is the friend shoulds, the the shoulds with our friends. What happens is, is he gets thrown into prison by Potiphar. And while he's in prison, he makes a couple of friends. And uh, he makes friends with the cupbearer and the baker of the king, of Pharaoh. They work for him. And what happens is the cupbearer and the baker, they begin to start having these dreams while they're in prison. And Joseph has this really cool ability that he can interpret dreams. And so he begins to interpret these guys' dreams. And and by the way, we didn't study this today, but with his brothers that we talked about earlier, part of the reason they were so upset with him wasn't just because, you know, of his iPhone and and him talking to Siri and the coat and stuff like that. A big part of the reason they were upset with him is because Joseph one time had a dream that all of his brothers were going to bow down to him. That's the dream he had. And that is usually the type of dream that you would keep to yourself, uh, right? 
Joseph doesn't. Joseph has all of his brothers around. He says, hey, by the way, you know what happened to me the other night? I had this dream. It was so cool. All of you were bowing down to me. It's like I'm your boss. And that didn't go over very well. So they got jealous and that sort of thing. So anyway, Joseph can interpret dreams. And so he interprets these guys' dreams, the cupbearer and uh, the baker, and they say, man, that was unbelievable. You're incredible. When we get out of here, we're getting you out of here. You are so out of here when we get out of here. No doubt about it. That's going to happen. And they got out of there pretty quickly is the way the story goes because the king needed them. So they get out of prison pretty quickly. Uh, the, the baker, however, the baker loses his head. I mean, literally gets his head chopped off. Almost as soon as he gets out of prison, he loses his head. So he's not going to be a lot of help. Uh, to Joseph, right? Uh, and so, but look at what happens with the other friend. He has this one other friend called the cupbearer and look at what happens there. Chapter 40, the chief cupbearer, however, <laughs> did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And when two full years had passed, you catch that? They, they, they were saying, hey, when, when we get out of here, you're gonna get out of here, no doubt about it. And then two full years pass and the cupbearer forgets about him. Let me ask you something, and don't answer this out loud. Just answer this in your head. Have you ever been forgotten by friends? You ever had friends in your life promise one thing and then do something completely different? You ever had a friend stab you in the back? I know some of you right now are saying, Todd, forget about that. I've had friends stab me in the front, okay? That's the kind of friends I have. I have very strange friends, right? All I'm saying is this, when your friends treat you that way, it's easy again to, to go to God and say, God, what's going on here? And what I want us to realize is that Joseph, in, in, in his life, his, his family didn't act how they should. His boss did not act like he should. His friends did not act like they should. Joseph could have should on God. I think he should have should on God. I personally have shit on God for far less. I have. But here's what he does. Here's what he does. And this is a huge, huge lesson for us in our lives. And Joseph decided to trust in what God could do rather than staying preoccupied with what God should do. I don't know when it happened. I don't know what point in his life but at some point in his life, he said, look, I'm no longer going to be all worried about what I think God should do or what he should have done yesterday or what he should be doing over here. I'm just going to be committed to what God could do in my life from here on out. And because he decided to live that way and just continue to trust God, even when he didn't always understand God, the story goes on where Pharaoh starts having these dreams some of his buddies remember, hey, there's this guy in prison who can help you. So he, Pharaoh gets Joseph out of prison. He interprets a lot of Pharaoh's dreams, and none of his other counselors could do this. So Pharaoh is blown away. He's like, are you kidding me? You're, you're, you're unbelievable what you can do and what God allows you to do. And so check out what happens in chapter 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all these things known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. And people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Joseph goes from like being in the pit all the way to the palace. 
He just keeps trusting in what God could do, not just being preoccupied about all the things I think God should have done this and should have done this. I'm just going to trust in what he could do. And he continues just to lead him, and it goes on. This is so fantastic. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, and he put it on Joseph's finger, and he dressed him in robes of fine linen. Everybody say robes. Robes. When, when I'm thinking about this, when I'm studying this, I, in, in my mind, I'm trying to think about maybe how this went down at, at Pharaoh's court, and I'm thinking maybe the first thing Pharaoh tried to do was hand Joseph a coat. Right, you know, and Joseph's like, no, I don't, I don't need a coat. I'm kind of out on coats, but if you have robes, I enjoy robes. I, I'm, I'm totally into robes. If, if you got any robes, and he's like, I got robes. I got fine linen robes if you'd want one. So that's what he does. He gives him a fine linen robe and, and he put gold chain around his neck and stuff like that. And, and then he had him ride around in a chariot as his second command. And people shouted out before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Is this amazing? Is this crazy? I mean, how many of you know the stories in the Bible are true? Amen? This isn't just stuff we need on the weekend because we need something to study and do. This is happening in someone's life. Same kind of thing happens in our lives. And here's what I want us to realize, that Joseph could have never, ever dreamed this when he was being thrown down in a pit by his family. He could have never dreamed this when he was being betrayed by his boss or when he was being forgotten by his friends. He would have never dreamed that one day he was going to be in charge of all of Egypt. You see, here's, here's what I'm saying. When you're living the story, sometimes God is very difficult to see. When you're living the story of your life, sometimes it's hard to see what God is doing in your life. Think about it like this. Joseph in chapter 37, where he's in the pit from his family. Looks like he's going to die. Genesis chapter 41, he's in charge of all of Egypt in the palace. Do you know how many years go by? between Genesis chapter 37 and Genesis chapter 41? 14. 14 years in his life where he's thinking, I don't know about this, God, and maybe you should have, and I, I, I don't understand what's going on. And, and listen, in Genesis chapter 37, in that chapter of his life, when he's down in the pit, he couldn't yell back up to his brothers, hey, hey, okay, no problem. Because guess what? Chapter 41. I'm going to be in charge of all this stuff. So y'all better be careful, behave. He couldn't do that. He couldn't see in chapter 37 what God was getting ready to do in chapter 41. And I want you and for me to realize in our lives that sometimes when you're living the story, when you're living life, sometimes God is difficult to see. You can't always see in this chapter what he's getting ready to do in the next chapter of your life. And here's what I want just us to realize, that if Joseph had quit trusting God, he would have missed out on some of God's great plans for his life. And I think it's the same for me and it's the same for you. I know it is. Some of you may just be moments away, weeks or months away from realizing some of God's plans for your life and why God acts the way he does. Some of us are just moments away from realizing that God has great plans for your life. And let me just say this, when God doesn't act like we think he should, there's a reason and just because we cannot see God working does not mean that God is not working in our lives. Just because we cannot see God working in this world does not mean that God is not working in this world. And here's what I want to ask of you. Here's what I want to ask of you. I want to ask you to make a decision. And, I, and obviously you don't have to do this, but I'm going to ask you 
to do this as we pull this whole series together. I'm going to ask you to begin to live this way and make this decision today, not like later today or, hey, I'll do it on Monday. Monday's my decision day. I'm making decisions on Monday. No, I'm not. This is like now. I'm asking you here. I'm asking you to make this decision like Joseph did. Make a decision today to trust from today, from this day on, to trust in what God could do rather than staying preoccupied with what God should do. I think it's good to have questions. I think it's good to have expectations. I think it's good to talk about all things of God, but there's just going to be some times where he doesn't act like we think he should. And so I'm saying, man, let's make the decision to trust in what he could do, not just be preoccupied by what he should do. Trust in what God could do this week in your life, in your family, at your job, with one of your friends. You know, for me, I, I put this series together and wanted us to study it, and I wrote this book, Should Happens, and took a lot of my life, about a decade of my life, to figure it out. And the reason I did it is because I just have all kinds of people that I know who at times have seen God not act like we think he should. And maybe you feel the same way, and if you do, I just want to hear, hear my heart on this. I get it. I totally get it if you feel that way. There, there are things even in my life, like right now, that I don't, I don't understand why God is doing that or allowing that. I, I don't. There's things around the world that I don't, I don't completely get. I don't completely understand. But my prayer is, is through going through this and studying through this in the Bible, for myself and for you, for our community around here, we would begin to just really strive to trust in what God could do, not just thinking about all the things that we feel like he should do. And believe this, that God is no doubt above you, seeing things in chapters of your life from a different perspective than you. He's also below you. He's behind you. He's in front of you. He's beside you. He's guarding you. He's guiding you. He's protecting you. God is, God is with you in the fire. God is with you in the sea. He's holding back the waves from us. He, God loves you you and cares for you deeply in, in your life. And I just want to ask that, that we would continue to trust God, even though we don't always understand God, that we would trust that whatever God is doing in this chapter of our life is for a reason, and we'll understand that maybe in another chapter coming up. For the next few minutes, I want to ask you to watch this story from Morgan. Morgan had something happen in her life where, man, it was easy for her to should on God. It didn't make sense, just like for many of us. But she decided to just keep following and keep trusting God. And then she began to see a little bit more clearly what God was trying to teach her and grow her in her life. So take a few moments and watch Morgan's story. I remember the night perfectly. It was the biggest game that we were about to throw. One of the top teams in the nation, and I had the ball. I started feeling just this crazy pain in my back and in my hips. And it wasn't until the fourth inning I could hardly walk out to the mound. My athletic trainer actually told me to lay down so he could just adjust my legs, adjust to see if everything was in line with my hips and everything. My right leg was three inches longer than my left leg. I woke up that next morning thinking, like, 
everything's gonna be fine. And um, but I literally wasn't able to even move my feet. I wasn't able to move to the side, and I had to yell out to my mom and dad to come and help me get out of bed. And I ended up breaking my back. I broke my L4 and L5. I was placed in a body cast. And it was some of the hardest days of my life when all of a sudden I didn't have feeling in my body at all. I just looked at God and I was like, why? Why? This shouldn't be happening. I finally am getting these letters. I'm about to go to my dream school out in North Carolina. I can't even walk. Like, I just, I didn't understand. I didn't think this should be happening to me at all. The things we expect to happen and things that we think we deserve or I've worked so hard for and why should this be happening and why hasn't it happened this way? And so through this whole journey is just to go into situations, into relationships, into circumstances and truly not having any expectations because the expectations we have of ourselves, of others, of God, those those are going to fail us. So that's when I literally just laid my hands out and said, okay, who are you, God? Show me who you are because I am helpless and I don't know what to do. I need some hope right now and I need to get through this. I finally felt, I felt free, but it was so crazy because I was trapped. I was in this body cast. I couldn't move, but yet it was the freest I've ever felt. I just love in um, Psalm 16 and 11, David says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And I was starting to experience that fullness in that moment. Um, and that was when I realized that I can't take any day for granted and truly not having any expectations and always leaving that room for surprise and for God to surprise you um, is a pretty awesome way to live.